0: amazing to be back in the house of God. There's no place like home. It's like Dorothy, you know, you just there's just no place like home and and you know, more than anything else I've realized in our travels that you are our family, that that we are family and we missed you, you know. My my mother's heart ached for her kids. And even though we were on a three-month long service leave break, um, you were all still in our hearts, and we prayed for you regularly and thought about you regularly, as you do with your kids. You know, you're, you're just wondering how everyone's going. But so glad that um, Andrew and Jilly and the team, Luke and Candace, were looking after you because you were in the best of hands, weren't you? It's amazing travelling around the world. We... Um, we actually ended up going to 10 nations, um, 11 if you count us coming back into Australia, um, 10 nations, and that's a lot of different time zones, that's a lot of different people groups, that's a lot of different cultures, that's a lot of different um, languages, like if we just were learning languages on the run, you know, one minute we're speaking Italian, next minute we're speaking French, you know, it's like you just got to learn the basic words as you go, so we'd be like traveling to the next place and we'd have our app out and we'd be learning the few words that we needed to know in that language, like, hello, how are you? Can I have a cup of tea? Uh, uh, Gluten-free was the first thing I had to learn in every language. (laughs) Gluten-free, gluten-free, and they go, hmm? You know, um, that was the first thing I had to learn. It was amazing, but I think the thing that hit us the most was that um, what hit me the most was that I fell in love with people, Do you know that no matter where you go in the world, people are just people? It doesn't matter. Different languages, different customs, different religions, different ways of doing things, different shapes, sizes. But at the end of the day, they're all kids looking for their dad. It's an orphaned planet. It's an orphaned planet. And they're all kids looking for identity, identity. And looking for their dad. And at the core of their being, every place we went, humanity, human beings are amazing. They're just amazing. They're beautiful in all their colour and all their culture. And they're, they're just beautiful. No wonder he's in love with them. And so we fell in love, didn't we, with... Many different cultures, many different places, but one thing I did notice while we were traveling around is is these few things, and I noticed there's a restlessness in people. And as I said, you know, they're like they're kids without a dad. They're they're people without a home. They're there are people without an identity. And there's a restlessness in the earth. There's a restlessness in the people. There's a restlessness, you know, struggling to find where they fit and who they are. And does anyone recognize who I am? And, and does anyone see me? There's that. But there's also a fear. There's a lot of fear. And, you know, one place we went to, we went to Nice. And it had only been a few months since the terrorist attack there. There where you know crazy terrorists drove their big van down you know in the middle of a crowded it was the you know it's on the side of the beach what do you call them promenade the big promenade and it was crowded with people because it was a big festival and they just rammed that thing through there and you know we got to go to the memorial that they had set up there and you know, so many kids, I mean, you just don't realise it when you hear it on the news, you know, you hear like there's been a tragedy and, but you don't realise there's so many kids, you know, it must have been like 60 kids, I don't know, in in that, in amongst that crowd, little tiny children that were just mowed down by crazy people and the memorials got all little teddy bears and all little paintings that the kids had done and you just, oh, look, it just breaks your heart, it just breaks your heart and, when you talk to the people, when we, you know, Phil went and got his haircut, and we're talking to the hairdresser, and and, um, and she, you know, we're saying, "What's it like now after the terrorist attack?" She said, oh, life has changed for us here in Nice. It's not the same anymore. You know, I don't want my children now to go to football games." Because anywhere there's a crowd, we're afraid to send our children. So no one goes to big crowded events anymore. Life has changed. We feel like we're watching, looking over our shoulder all the time. You know, There's fear. There's restlessness. There's a restlessness. And the other thing I saw so much of was this wrong concept of God. And it, it breaks your heart. Like even in the Holy Land in Israel... You know, you're going to Israel, you're visiting the places where Jesus walked, you're visiting the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, you, you're there in the Mount of Olives, you're seeing it face to face amongst it and in it. And on every place where there was um, a place where Jesus had been, they'd build a shrine, they'd build a temple, they built these religious stuff over the top of it. You know, the very thing that Jesus came to destroy really this very thing that he came to to, to change the hearts so of people say, you don't need religion anymore. We have relationships. It's, it's about me walking in the streets with you, and they've just built temples over the top of everything. And, and people are lining up just to go in and touch the rock. i just got to touch the rock where Jesus was, and then I might find Jesus. Well, just touch Jesus, you know. And so there's this wrong concept of God, that God is religion, and so many different people that we spoke to. On our travels, we would begin to talk to them about God, and, they, and their concept of God was this angry God, this religious God, this a corrupt church and, and corruption, and and it was just they would just had no idea that there was a loving God that was desperately wanting to connect with his kids and say, "You're not orphaned. You're not an orphan. You're mine. You belong to me," and you know, and and man is just you know just so covered that over with this wrong concept of God. And the other thing I saw on my travels, I sound like Ecclesiastes don't I, in my wanderings around I notice these things but I might have to write a book about it. But the other thing I I noticed throughout the world is this push to make God in my image. See I will believe in a God who, who will just come down to what I am who will think about things the way I think about things and and will compromise who he is to fit my life. And so I saw a lot of that and we're seeing a lot of that, you know, through the earth and I'll talk more about that later. And but above all this, in the midst of all this, in the midst of all that I saw, you can hear, you can hear the cry of heaven, you can you can hear the groaning of the earth. You can you can hear the cry of the saints. You can, you can feel the prayers of the saints. You can feel the stirring of the Spirit, that God is supreme and that God doesn't change and that He is the same yesterday, today and forever and He will reach His children and He will bring the orphans home and He will make a difference and He will rule and reign. And to be a Christian and to go throughout the earth and know that how wonderful is that? That we are in his presence no matter what country I'm in, no matter where I am. If I'm in the Congo facing danger, I'm in the presence of God and I'm under his supremacy, under his um, solid, the solid rock of Jesus Christ. I stand upon that rock no matter where I am. And we have that. We have that in the restlessness and in the confusion and all that's going on on the earth. We have the answer. We have the protection. We have the peace. We have the love. We have the joy. And we need to embrace it, amen. I just wonder if we could just, you know, one of the things I think that I noticed in my travels as well was the the need for meditation, the need for just sitting in the presence of God, the need for pondering on the Scriptures and the need for letting things sink in. So everything that I've said right now, I just want to give you five minutes to let that sink in and just watch this video with me and just think of this song as I was traveling the nations of the earth, that this song was being sung over the nations as we um, just take a break. Amen. And then I'll come back.
1: Your peace like a river floods over us Our hearts are restless until they find rest in you Our hearts are restless until they find rest in you i you.
0: Do you love that statement? You cannot change. I wonder if I can put this pulpit up here. It's kind of low for me. Thanks. You cannot change, yet you change everything. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about the fact that God cannot change? He cannot change. And I want to go into that. But first, I want to just go back Uh, to something that I was teaching you just before I went away, which was in the in-him message about the way that we perceive God ourselves and the way that the world perceives God and the way that the world worships God and understands God. It says in Acts 17, 24 to 26, "'The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth.'" And does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands, as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek Him and perhaps reach out for Him and find Him, though He is not far from any one of us. For in Him, in Him, we live and we move and we have our being in Him. And I was teaching you about before I left, how there was two ways that we can understand God. One is the Western way and one is the Eastern way. How many people know that the Bible is written written in the East? It's an Eastern way of thinking, but we interpret it in a Western way. So the Western way of understanding God is this. God is a large circle. There's God there. And this is me. I am this small circle. And God is apart from me. God is distant from me. God is separate, God is above, God is external. And, and I'm spending all my life trying to reach God because God just seems just out of reach. Even as a Christian, I have this way of thinking that if I can just be good enough, if I can just repent enough, if I can just you know do the right thing, if I can keep the commandments, if I can obey the law, if I can do all the things that need to be done, then perhaps I could move that dot just a little closer to God. And then I do that on Sunday and I worship God and the dot moves a little closer to God. And then I wake up Monday morning and, hello, there's a gap between me and God again. And I have to work my way back to try and get near God. It's like God is watching us from a distance. God is separate from us and I'm working my way to God. How many of you know that that is a totally wrong concept It is totally wrong way of looking, but it's the Western way of looking at God. When I walked around these temples and walked around how many cathedrals, hundreds of cathedrals, hundreds of the, hundreds, you would say, is there a church in town? They say, oh, there's a cathedral down the road. You know, there's all religious stuff going on. And you just go, where is he, Jesus? Where are you, Jesus? Where are you, Jesus, in the midst of all this stuff? Why have they made you separate again when you came to earth to connect us to God? Why have they put you in this religious place again where man has to work to get to you, where there's this um, distance between God and man? The Eastern way of looking at God is this, that God is a circle, and I am a dot in the center of, of the circle of God. When I became born again, I entered into Him. I became one with Him. There was no, there was no um, way to define where God finishes where I start, where I start where God finishes, because I am in Him. He is in me. We are one together. We are in. I am in him. This is what this whole message is about. We are in we are in him. We don't have to work our way to get to him through the blood of his precious son. He drew us into his heart. I call it the womb of God. That it was God's womb and that we are placed in the womb of God like an incubator and we cannot live outside of that atmosphere that God wants us to live inside, that He's placed around us, yes, rules, yes, laws, yes, the right way of doing things. For what? To keep us in Him, to protect us, to look after us. How many people know that if, you know, like I had I had um, Paris sleepover at my house, my two-year-old granddaughter, and I rang her from overseas because she wouldn't go to sleep at night because she wanted a nanny. Oh. I love that. Sorry, Julie, but I love that. It was it just made me feel really special. And she would say, I want nanny. I want nanny now. You know, and we'll, we'll do FaceTime. No, I want nanny here now. So I had to get up early one morning hardly had any sleep, and do a video and send it to Paris say, when nanny gets home, you're going to come and have a sleepover, just you, just you, nanny, and we're going to eat pancakes, it's going to be awesome, and Julie said she just played it on repeat, just kept playing it on repeat, you know, and so, yeah, so she had her sleepover the other night, and of course, you know, she remembered the pancakes when we got up in the morning, I said, what do you want for breakfast? I totally forgot, she said, Pancakes? And she told her mum she was going to have pizza for lunch. I don't know what kind of nanny she thinks I am. They give her pancakes and pizza, but she got it anyway, of course. I never would have fed my kids that stuff, uh, but she got it. And, you know, I got up in the morning and it was cool. Oh, crazy. I've come home to what? You know, it's cool. It was freezing. And so I put the heater on and I said to Paris, Paris said, Is that hot, nanny? I said, that's hot, darling. You don't want to go too close to that and don't touch it, okay? It's a gas heater. It'll burn you. And so, you know, she just kept asking me as she would get closer. "It is it hot, Nanny? You know, how far do I have to stay away from it? Why did I say that? Because I want to I wrap my loving arms around my granddaughter and I want to protect her from burning herself. I don't want to just put her in a room and just say, do whatever feels right to your child, Whatever feels right to your child, you can do in this room. If you want to stick your finger in that flame and see what it feels like, that's your prerogative to do that. No, I want to say to my child, no, I want to keep you safe. And that's what in him, the message in him is about. We're in the womb of God and we find it very difficult to actually live our lives outside of the environment of that womb. We need to be nourished by God. We need to be loved by God. We need to be nurtured by God. We need to be protected by God. That is the in him message. Amen. Amen. Good. Good. Colossians 1, 15 to 17 says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. They just don't know it. He is before all things and in Him, All things hold together. What do you think is holding this planet together, really? Do you think it's our smart ideas? It's our peace rallies? Do you really think it's like, don't kill the whale projects? You know, really, what is really? Do you think it's our politics? Say no more. You know, you really think that's what's holding this all together? No, Jesus Christ His supremacy is the glue that holds this together. Nothing can happen without His permission. He is supreme over all things, even things that are not submitted to Him. He still has final word. Satan had to come before Him and plead that He could, you know, uh, persecute Peter. He had to come before Him and plead that He could try Job because ultimately God, His courtroom... In heaven is supreme over all things. And every kid God loves, every kid God's watching out for, every kid, when I say kid, it doesn't matter if you're 105 or two or a baby, you're God's child and He's watching over you and He's wanting you to live in Him. He's wanting to give you this. Great way of life, and he wants the whole world to understand that he just wants good. He's good, he's good, he's good, he's, good. he's kind, he's loving, he's not cranky, he doesn't live behind stone walls, or doesn't live in statues. He's a God with flesh and skin, and he wants to touch his people and he wants to love his people. And we, the church, we represent him in the earth. We represent him. We represent him. Jesus came and represented the Father and we represent Jesus. We've got skin on. We we've, we've got love in our hearts. We live in the presence of God. We live in him. We live in that place of the supremacy of God and we know that he doesn't change and we're not going to try and change him. But we're going to allow him to change us to the conformity of his will. You know, we know that in the world right now, there are two things. There's moral absolutes and then there's moral relativity. Moral absolutes is really just like black and white. You know, the Ten Commandments. There are moral absolutes. There is right and wrong. There, there are there are laws, there are things, there are ways that God has put in place that if we would follow those things, it would make life so much easier and it would make everything run smoothly and everything would come into order. But then we're, we're pushing, right now, the earth is pushing this moral relativity. You know, whatever feels right for you, whatever is good for you, you know, just go there. You know, I heard yesterday there's... Um, A family in a country, I won't mention which country it is, and they're threatening to take uh, their 14-year-old teenager, remove her from a Christian family, because she wants to identify as as a guy. And the family are not happy about that, and they're trying to talk her out of it, and they're trying to talk sense into her. They're trying to bring moral absolutes. But the system is saying, no, 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 she can move in moral relativity. If she wants to be a man and she's 14 years old and you're trying to stop her, that's child abuse. And we're going to remove her from the Christian home and your influence so that she can be free to live in moral relativity. You know, unless we live as Christians the way we're meant to live, unless we raise our kids with an answer. Our kids, we've got to have an answer to what's going on in the earth right now. Our kids need to have answers. Amen. If you're a teacher, your school kids need to have answers. Your people at work, they want to ask questions and they need good answers, not just when, well, God said it's wrong. You know? Why can't we say to them, you know, God has created you? You, You're a child of God. He, He has a plan for your life, He has given you an identity. He totally loves you, and He has plans for you. If you would just listen to Him, you would hear the plans. You don't have to try and grasp for an identity for the thing that seems popular at the moment. It might seem popular at the moment to identify as a bloke, but it's going to stuff you up. You need to come into alignment, hear God's voice for you. What has He got for you? What's the future that He holds for you? You know, we need to do what we love, not judgment. Not judgment, not like you know, placard against, you know, you know, gay people and, and stand against homosexuality. We've got to love people. We've got to love people to life. We've got to let people know that Jesus loves them just as they are, but He loves them too much to leave them that way because He wants to restore them and return them to their original intent. He wants to get a hold of that life and just say, I know life has messed you up. I know life has screwed you up. I know life has done stuff to you, but I am the Redeemer. I am the Redeemer and I redeem lost souls and I redeem lost identity and I redeem um, lost vision and lost dreams. I redeem them and I restore and I restore and I redeem and I restore and I make everything new. Because He can't change. But when He touches anything, it changes. He can't change, but He changes everything. When you come into the presence of the living God, He changes everything. And when we as Christians choose to live under His supremacy, under His sovereignty, to do it His way, no compromise, do it His way. Because why? Because Dad knows best that everything falls into alignment for us, for our families, and for our nation. Amen. Hallelujah. Romans 1. 20 to 23, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his internal Power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. I mean, you cannot go to Wales and stand and look at the green, rolling hills and the bubbling brooks and say there is no God. You know, you just can't do that. The things we've seen, the wonders, the signs, the earth, you cannot swim in in the Adriatic Sea without knowing there is a God. You, you cannot you cannot go into the Mediterranean Sea, into the clear blue water, and, and float on your back in the most beautiful minerals without knowing that there is a God and that He has a great plan for our lives and He has a great plan for the people of this earth. And he says, For although they knew God, They neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of God, the glory of the immortal God, for images made to look like a mortal human. And it says birds and animals. But listen, how many people are trying to make God into the image of a mortal human? You know, we are made in the image of God. God isn't made in our image. God can't change who He is to fit our world. You know, we need to get modern or we need to become more modern. We need to become more relatable. But things don't. there's certain things that don't shift. The unchanging God, the laws of God, the supremacy of God, the, the nature of God, they aren't changing things. They're immovable. They're immovable. You understand? And we are in a, we're in a world that wants to move those boundary lines, the ancient boundary lines. They want to move those ancient boundary lines. And they want to make a God that fits into their image. And so they're crafting images out of human beings and presenting them to a God that says, If you will fit into my world, I might believe in you. And the Bible says God sits in heaven and laughs. He just laughs. It's like, are you kidding? Are you kidding? Like this is crazy. I mean, we're laughing about you know things like the elections. That imagine what he's doing. Like, what is going on? It's crazy. My Bible says this Hebrews thirteen eight. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Revelations eight. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. The beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the beginning, the middle, and the end. I'm everywhere. I'm everything. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, from whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. There's no variation. There's no shadow due to change. He's the same. He's exactly the same. We're the ones that are changing. And hopefully the church is changing to be like Him. Being changed from glory to glory with ever increasing glory into the image of His precious Son. As we behold Him, we become like Him. As we live in Him, we we, we get into the womb of God. We're being formed as sons and daughters, and all of creation is groaning for the sons and the daughters of God to be made manifest, to stand up in the world and be who they are and proudly say it, and to speak and have a voice and not be intimidated by the words and and, and wanting to compromise, to please people. We have to be who we are. We have to be true to our nature and the nature of God, and we have to be true to Him. Amen. And it says, Psalm 90, verse 2, before the mountains were brought forth, and even you had formed, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. You are God. Psalm 102, 24 to 27. Oh my God, I say, take me not away in the midst of my days, you whose years endured throughout all generations. Didn't we pray, we sing that this morning? Generations. All generations will sing of your glory. That's why you're here this morning. You're coming into the house of God as a generation to sing of the glory of God. You're bringing your children into the house of God. You're bringing your parents and your grandparents into the house of God. And as generations, we're glorifying God for who He truly is, for who He truly deserves to be you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe and they will pass away. But you are the same and your years have no end. 1 Peter 1, 24 to 25. All flesh is like grass and its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls But the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. I'm preaching good news this morning. Good news that there is a God who is in control. Good news that you belong to Him. Good news that you are in Him, in the womb of God. And that you don't have to strive to get His approval, but He loves you, that you're His child, that you are not orphaned, that you have been found, you've been adopted into the family of God and you have an identity in Christ and you belong and you're precious and you're special and all the days of your life will be lived out to the glory of God and He's going to find your purpose and your plan for your life and He's going to open the book that He's written about you and He's going to read it over your life and He's going to tell you every day of your life is written in my book before one of them came to pass. The plans that I have for you, says the Lord. You're going to be amazed when you see the plans that I have for you. You know, if you just be in me, if you just listen to me, if you just be in my presence, you can be absolutely in the most incredible. God just brings order. He cannot change. Let's get away from thinking that we can change God to suit our society. We can change God to please people. He cannot change. But I tell you this, He changes everything. He changes everything. He changes everything. Don't put up with that sickness. Don't put up with that depression. Don't put up with that lack. Don't put up with your kids being naughty. Bring the presence of God into your home. Don't put up with having that rotten job. Believe God and God's gonna change it. God brings everything into order. He's the God of order. And when we come under his supremacy, under his sovereignty, our lives come into order. And the world can be in total chaos. And you're just walking through the earth like you're in a bubble because you're in the womb of God. You're in the womb of God. And the earth's going crazy. And and you know, we, we can't fix it. We can't fix it. We can't fix it. But if we stay in the womb of God, he can. He can fix it. I don't know if you've read the end of the book book of revelations he wins, we win victory, glory thank you Jesus his presence returns and restores to the original intent we as humanity want God to change, to accommodate our fallen state but he is changeless thank you Jesus thank you Jesus Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Matthew 7, 24, Jesus preached in the Sermon on the Mount. He'd gone through this whole list of, of the way that he wanted people to live so that they could be built on a rock. He told them they were blessed, they were blessed, they were blessed, and he loved them. Then he said, you have to be salt and light. He says, I've come to fulfill the law. He speaks about sin and its varying degrees. He's talking about loving our enemies. He talks about giving to the needy. He talks about prayer and fasting. He talks about storing treasures up in heaven. He talks about trusting God and not trusting in our circumstances. He talks about not judging others. He talks about asking, seeking and knocking and you will find. He talks about entering through the narrow gate he talks about true and false prophets and then he talks about true and false disciples. When he talks about true and false disciples, he says this, Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And then his final words of this, Matthew 7, 25. This is 24. This is what he closes that whole sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, he closes the whole thing with this. If you do all these things, if you live in me, if you live according to my character, if you live according to, to my ways, if you live according to my nature, if you live in me, if you become like me, if you let me change you, if you let me make you into my image. Then he says this, Matthew seven twenty four. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The wind's... Sorry, rock. And the rain, oh, sorry. Build his house on rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. We can change laws and systems but all it does is take us further and further away from God. You know, right now in three countries, they've just made it legal to be a pedophile because if that's your sexual preference, then who are we to, to judge that? Moral relativity. And they're trying to legalise it here. Come on, guys. Come on, it's not right. It makes our whole existence shaky. Our kids need to see that we are in Him that we are speaking His words and His laws and what we are practising and we're not afraid to stand up and tell truth, to speak the truth because the truth will set people free. It's not bondage. It's not beating someone over the head with a Bible. It's not religion. It's not telling them to worship Mary and, and and bow down and do so many Hail Marys, they might make it to heaven. You're giving them the truth and the life. You, you're giving them the life that's inside of you. You're giving them what's being given to you and, you, and you're and you sharing this love, not holding it to yourselves. I love what Andrew and Jilly and the guys have been doing, but getting you to think about that one person and pray for that one person and then... And then take it a step further, Andrew says this morning. Send them a text. Well, I'm going to send a text to the person I've been praying for this afternoon. Yeah. And she's going to be in church within two weeks. I guarantee you. Because why? Because people want to be seen. They want to be found. They want to be loved. They don't want to be preached to. They want to be loved. They want to know that they're significant. They want to know that there's a human being that cares about them. I love that, the heart of Andrew and Jilly, the guys doing that. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform. Listen to me. That's a big word, conform. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing And perfect will. The New Living Translation says it this way: don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is His good, pleasing, and perfect will. But I love the line in that song that says, Our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. It's such a beautiful place of surrender when we can come before God and we can say, God, I surrender my whole self to You. I surrender everything to You. I surrender my restlessness, my restless heart. I surrender my fears and my doubts, even about my fears of the future, my fears for my children, and my fears for the way the world is crazy. You see, as you surrender all this to God, you come into the womb of God. And it says, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at the other side, but you shall stand and see the deliverance of your God. God looks after his own. He put Noah in a boat and made sure he was safe before he judged the world. Jesus Christ is your boat and you need to be close to him and love him. Our hearts are restless until they find Rest in you. You cannot change God, but you change everything. He is hidden, but He's always with us, watching, waiting for us to choose Him. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.